You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. On this episode, we do have one prospect interview, as well as we take a look at uh, which teams have done the best so far this offseason. A lot of movement, trades, free agency, and otherwise. Uh, Pre-draft, of course, we'll do this again after that happens. And also wide receivers on the move. I mean, this has been a a big year for that. But uh, first, let's go ahead and, uh, and talk with our guest. He's a running back with the San Diego State Aztecs and pride of Chula Vista, California, number 22, Greg Bell. Greg, welcome to Throws Like Us, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Good to hear your voice. Process is going well, it seems like. uh, Things kind of slowed down since All-Star Games, Combine, Pro Day. Yeah, everything slowed down a lot. Um, Right now, I'm just working out, staying ready to see if I get a workout or something like that and just waiting for a call. Well, I mean, everybody's story is a little bit different. I would imagine, you know, many kids are, are, the, are the same. You know, the dream is to play in the NFL. But, Greg, can you remember specifically when you got the sense that I really got a shot at this? Honestly, like, when I was younger, I always knew that this is what I wanted to do. And, like, when I was young, I was always, like, honestly better than kids. So I knew, like, playing in the NFL was always – a chance for me to play in the NFL if I just kept working hard and kept going. So while at San Diego State, did you kind of ha- was there any sort of moment, maybe a team that you played against or a particular play where you kind of got the same feeling? Yeah, most definitely when we played against Utah State 2020, um, and I dove in the end zone on a, like a little swing route, and I just got that feeling like, oh yeah, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Why did you choose to go the JUCO route? Out of high school, I only had one offer, uh, San Diego State, and I didn't end up qualifying, so I had to go JUCO. And out of JUCO is when I got like a lot of offers. Um, I was the number one running back in the country. I chose to go to Nebraska. I just felt like Coach Frost and his coaching staff had something good going. Um, when they were at UCF, they turned the program around, so I felt like that we could do the same thing at Nebraska. That's why I went there. Who else showed interest in you besides Nebraska? I mean, obviously, being a, a number one running back, the options are open. Yeah. I had Tennessee, Missouri, um, Louisville, Boise, San Diego State, Arizona, Arizona State. I had a lot of schools interested in me, but I just felt like Nebraska was the best place for me at the time. You didn't want to go to the SEC or, or stay in Arizona? Because, I mean, that's where you played Juco for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean... I took an SEC visit. Actually, I took a Tennessee visit, but I just didn't feel like it was the right spot for me. And then staying in Arizona, I was interested in doing that as well, but I ended up taking the Tennessee visit instead of Arizona State. So <laughs> that's how that worked out. All right, so you spent one season at Nebraska. Why did you decide right. to uh, transfer to San Diego State? I played four games there at Nebraska, and uh, I was having my mom was having a little issues at home and stuff like that, just stability-wise. So I decided to come back home. Uh, get a job and try to help her as much as I can and go to San Diego State. So basically, I mean, San Diego State offered you a scholarship out of high school. Then they offered you again coming out of JUCO. So it's almost like coming back home a, a third time, right? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, that's my hometown school. So I feel like 
it was the, it was the right thing to do, and I was also helping my mom, so it was like the right situation. But Chula Vista is like right in San Diego State's alley out there. That's the city where they're located, correct? Uh, no, we're not. It's not located in uh, Chula Vista, but it's pretty close. It's like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes away. Well, it's always good to come home, Greg. Always good to do that. Yeah, most definitely. So you guys had a pretty good uh, season last year, 12-2, and 7-1 and one in conference. You personally had a lot of big games throughout your time there at San Diego State. If you can recall one in particular, because it was against a Pac-12 team, uh, you're at home, pretty good defense in Utah. You guys end up winning the game in, in two overtimes. You go over 100, couple touchdowns. What do you recall most about that game? Something I recall most is just getting the dub in the hostile environment because Two overtimes, it's hard to win like that. And we end up pulling it out, and I was happy for that moment. Now, they've always you know, seem to have a pretty good defense. You know, you've got uh, Devin Lloyd. They're probably going to be a number one pick uh, linebacker. Do you recall much about facing him? Did, did he kind of stick out on their defense? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, me and Devin, we go back, though, because I played against Devin in high school, and we also trained together when we are both back in San Diego. So, like, that was a good matchup. We were talking smack to each other, and it was good to get a, a win versus them. Okay, nothing like a little trash talk among friends. Uh, <laughs> would you consider yourself? Where is your trash talk game? Where would you put it? Honestly, I don't even talk on the field like that unless someone says something to me. But probably like a, from a one to five, probably like a two. <laughs> All right, how about Devin? He was talking a lot. Like I would give him like a four, honestly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, I mean, I guess the goal is to try, you know, to be a three down back. Honestly, it seems like most NFL teams are going to running back by committee. Not too many guys are getting the ball more than 20, 25 times a game. But in looking at your offense and just the way you guys played, I think you only had like four receptions this year. How have you been able to show the ability to be a pass receiver during this postseason or after season uh, draft prep? time um at the combine and at my pro day i was just able to catch the ball naturally um when i was younger i always was able to catch the ball and stuff like that i would line up at receiver and slide and stuff like that so it was pretty natural for me to catch the ball but everybody couldn't see that because we didn't really pass the ball to the running back like that so it was good to show that in this process what other skills do you feel that you really had to showcase uh during this process as well that was probably the biggest thing and just showing i'm real fluent and running as well, getting over the bags and stuff like that, picking my feet up, and just looking smooth and natural. Well, Lou already mentioned that you guys went 12-2 and two this year during your senior season. You got a chance to go to the Mountain West Championship game. You won that bowl game. How special was this senior year for you guys as a team? Um, it was very special for all of us because we won the most games in school history. Um, no team has ever won 12 games in San Diego State history, so we accomplished a lot this season. It didn't turn out the way we wanted it to in the Mountain West Championship, but we ended up winning the bowl game, so that was that counted just as much. Well, you finally got a chance to win a few more games than you did back in Nebraska, right? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. What does it feel like to play at a running back factory at San Diego State? Because the last four or five years, you guys have turned out some running backs out there, guys that have put up some big numbers, and... What does it feel like to follow in the footsteps of some other guys that have done well? Um, it feels real good. Um, that's a great company to be in. Marshall Falk, uh, Donna Pumphrey, 
Rashad Penny, Adam Moema. It feels good to be in that company and stuff like that. So I reach out to those guys, Donald Pumphrey and uh, Rashad Penny. I talk to those guys a little bit. So it feels good to be in that company. What do they tell you about the NFL? What advice have those former Aztecs given you? Um, just stay healthy and be ready when your number's called because you never know what can happen. So you just got to stay ready at all times. Greg, obviously you were the lead back this year, but you guys still had like a running back by committee uh, at San Diego State. You guys went two, three deep. What did it feel like to know that you're not always going to get your number called? Like you're not going to be the number one guy because they'll still rotate. You know, some guys will be out there on the passing downs. What did that feel like for you? Um, as long as we're getting wins, I mean, nothing matters more than that. So, like, I don't have a problem with rotating and stuff like that, keeping all of us fresh. And when your number's called, you just got to go out there and make plays. You know, behind any good player, whether it's in high school or college or the NFL, there are always some great coaches, right? And you have a running backs mm-hmm. coach that has, like, a 30-plus year experience, right? His name is Jeff Horton. He coaches the running backs right. at San Diego State. And then we've got Brady Hoke, who is – been at Michigan before. He's had success at San Diego State. What have you learned from those two men? Um, just be patient and work hard. Like Coach Horton, he all he preaches the little details, uh, focus on the little things, and everything else will take care of itself. And also with Coach Hope too, he's a players coach, and uh, they just let you be yourself. Like just go out there, work hard, and everything else will take care of yourself. Greg, just like you know any other football player, there's you know it's a game you know there's going to be injuries you've had uh, a couple different injuries during your time there at san diego state what do you learn during that time where you're sitting out how has it hampered your development in any way with any injury you just got to fight through adversity because you're going to want to be out there and get out there with your team and stuff like that but you got to make sure you're fully healthy before you get out there so just working hard getting yourself back right is something that you would have to fight through i feel like how are you feeling now um, I feel great right now. Now, you were at the NFL PA Bowl. It's run by the NFL, as the, as the name would tell you. So you got a lot of former yeah. pros on the field with you, working with you and so forth. What were you able to take away from those guys? Um, just working hard. When you get out there, you got to showcase what you can do because there's a lot of scouts out there. They're out there for a reason to, see, to find talent. So when you get out there and get your opportunity, you just got to go hard and kill it. Was there any particular coach or former pro there that left – an impression on you, something that you're going to take with you moving forward? Um, not really, because it was only like three-day experience, so not really. But I can't remember his name, but it was a receiver coach. I was talking to him a little bit, and I got a good feeling from him talking to him. So I can't think of his name right now, though. Okay. Was it, I guess, along the lines of being a pass receiver, like we talked about before? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Just showcasing your ability, like even getting on special teams and stuff like that. Just You got to be available when somebody else is not available. So just make yourself available for everything. All right. I saw some video from your pro day and you're rocking the blonde hair. Was Is that something special <laughs> or is that different or what's going on with that? No, nah, I just I just wanted to do something different. Like I never uh, dyed my hair or bleached my hair or nothing like that. So I just wanted to do something different. Um, I'm kind of liking it though, so I might keep it blonde. <laughs> Coming back to that pro day, right? All eyes, I think, were on your punter. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of stories out there, but yeah, great hang time. He was just knocking the ball out there. You know, punters usually don't get that much attention, but I think a lot of teams came there just to see him. What is that like? I mean, he's a great punter. Like, I've never seen nothing like him before, punting-wise. So he's like an athlete in my eyes. He could do everything. He's fast. He's big. 
he's strong. So, I mean, having somebody like that just helps our defense out and the whole team out. All right, Greg, did you compete with him a little bit? Can you kick the ball a little bit? Can you punt it? <laughs> like half of what he is able to do during games? I mean, you guys try to, like, compete with him and joke with him a little bit in practice? No, no that's his, that's, he got that all the way with everybody on the team. That's his job right there. He got that. All right, let's talk about the combine because obviously you were there. What were your impressions from the scouting combine in Indy, and what was that experience like? Just give us kind of a a detailed experience of what you went through out there. The combine was a great experience. That's something everyone dreams of going to when they're younger and growing up and stuff like that, watching it on TV. So me being there was just humbling experience, being with all those great players and stuff like that. Also, me getting on the field with those guys, I see like I could play with these dudes. I could play with these dudes. I'm just good at these dudes. Did you form a friendship with any of the running backs out there who competed with you and against you? I mean, me and Isaiah Spiller, we're already cool because we train at the same place. But, I mean, I talked to Kenneth Walker a little bit, Kennedy Brooks a little bit, guys like that. What's Isaiah Spiller like, and where did you guys train together? Um, we trained at Exos in Carlsbad. But Isaiah Spiller's a real chill dude. Like, he real calm and collected. Um, he doesn't really talk much. He's real chill. So, Greg, you decided to stay close to home. Most people try to go somewhere else, you know, Florida, Texas, Phoenix. You decided to stay in San Diego, right? I mean, Carlsbad is like, what, 30 minutes away from San Diego? Yeah, I decided to stay here. I was going to try to go to um, the Arizona location, but I heard they were too full. Staying home, training here, was it wasn't a bad idea as well. I mean, there's great trainers out here too. Uh, Roy Holmes was training me. Um, so it was a good experience there as well. And the weather isn't too shabby, right? <laughs> no, nah, it's great. Great weather. <laughs> you mentioned that it was a dream to participate at the scouting combine and it was like a dream come true what do you remember when you were watching the combine as a kid or growing up in high school who did you watch like who did you admire and said to yourself like hey i want to be there one day what do you remember about the combine that kind of stuck with you um i just knew that that's where the best of the best go um you can't just walk up there and go to the combine you got to get invited so it's like you know you're at the top of your game and the top of the field in college um, and people I used to watch was like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Uh, I watched Leonard Burnett and guys like that just growing up. DeAnthony Thomas. So take us behind the scenes a little bit because I know the combine, I mean, we see what's on the field. You know, it's on TV and so forth, all the drills, the time tests and so forth. Greg, your meetings with the, with the teams, uh, is there anything that, that sticks out? What's, uh, what's one story that uh, is going to stay with you for a while? To be honest, like, I didn't have no bad or no like crazy story with no teams. I feel like all my meetings were were normal and good. Like I, I know some people say like teams ask them this or ask them that, but I didn't really have that experience, honestly. What were some of the questions that they did ask you? Um, just about my background, how I grew up, what type of household I grew up in, and football wise, just the X's and O's of football, like defensive fronts and stuff like that. And when you came out of there, did you feel good about how those meetings went? Or did you get the sense that maybe some teams showed a little bit more interest than others? Yeah, I feel like every meeting went good. I mean, I can't really say if teams showed a little more interest than others because they're all doing their job, so they all got an interview. So I feel like every team was a good interview. Well, I tell you what, I mean, I noticed that you may have been involved in NIL as quickly as anybody out there, it seems like. What's been your experience with the name, image, and likeness opportunities. I, I saw a couple of names out there, Sons of Monty, Meatleet. 
take us through that, you know, how you got involved and, and what kind of the result has been. Yeah, so um, Sons of Montezuma, the person that runs it is I'm at San Diego State, so he's been going to the games and stuff like that. He has San Diego State logo tatted on him and everything like that. So he reached out to me on Instagram and like I said he wanted to do a deal with me to make some shirts and stuff like that. And I agreed to it. I signed the contract and stuff. And he was making shirts and like people could wear them at the games and stuff like that. So I seen a lot of uh, 22 shirts in the, in the stands. And then Meat Lead as well. He reached out to me. He was starting the company, like a Facetime video chat, Facetime your favorite athletes and stuff like that for fans. I signed the deal with that as well, and it was it was a good experience. We're not accountants or anything like that, but I mean, is it some decent money at least? Yeah, it was pretty good money. It wasn't too much though, but it was good for a college athlete. <laughs> well, I noticed that a lot of the Sons of Montezuma or Sons of Monty uh, gear has a lot of skulls on it, kind of like a Raiders feel to it. Is that something you're down with? I mean, do you wear a lot of this stuff? Honestly, I didn't wear any of it. <laughs> it was for the fans, so I, I wasn't really worried about it. All right. Well, as, as long as the check's clear, my friend, uh, it's great that you had that opportunity. Well, Greg, we appreciate you for, for joining us today. You want to take the opportunity right now to shout out social media handles or any other NIL deals you want to have and shout them out. Go right ahead. Yeah, appreciate you guys for having me. Uh, my Instagram handle is the Bell Era, and then my Twitter handle is Greg Bell underscore. If you guys would like to follow me on there, I appreciate that. All right, Greg, uh, we appreciate the time, as I said, and uh, good luck with the rest of the process. Hope you have a good draft day, and uh, we'll be looking for you in camp. Okay, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks again to San Diego State running back Greg Bell. Always exciting to catch up with an offensive weapon, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll hear his name called coming up here at the end of April. So free agency is kind of slowed down, of course. Uh, most of the big names have signed. The only big names that are still out there are typically older veterans that I think are kind of choosing their spots Teams probably looking to see what they're doing in the draft, but uh, a lot of the big noise probably has already been made. So with that, why don't we take a look at, with Alex here, uh, maybe the, the top teams that, that we feel, at very least on paper, have made the biggest moves. So Alex, I'll give you the floor. Uh, give us a team that you you like what they did. I'm going to go with the Browns, Lou. Look, we don't know what's going to happen this season, if Deshaun Watson you know, misses a few games or half the season or maybe the entire season. But the Browns have set up well for the future that they're better off. You and I talked about the Browns throughout the season frequently. And we always said all they need is a quarterback. That's it. A guy that can make some things happen. A guy that can, that can do some things off of play action. Or maybe those rollouts and, you know, hit those open targets that are open in Kevin Stefanski's scheme. This is still a running team. They had a very good defense last year. Now they get their quarterback. So to me, it's fairly easy. Did the Browns give up a lot? Yes, they did. But they knew that they had to get better. And not every offseason do you get a young quarterback in his prime that is available. So I'm going to go with them and Deshaun Watson. Well, if he's the guy that we think he is, then I don't, you know, again, I don't know that you that they did give up that much, you know, at the end of the day. The big thing right now is again, it's just all public relations as far as their fans go. I mean, they're banking on the fact that uh, everything gets settled and things go on and he goes on the field and everybody forgets and he just starts playing really well. They win a bunch of games and so forth. So even with one move 
And that position, obviously, that immediately puts them in the conversation for having the best offseason. You know, I'm looking at it, and again, this is low-hanging fruit and probably the easiest one because it seems like they made the biggest moves, uh, starting with the, a new coach, is the Miami Dolphins. You know, McDaniel jumps in there. You're going to see that that offense cranked up. So with that in mind, they went out and, you know, tackled fast running back. So, of course, they bring in ex-San Francisco player Raheem Mostert. And if he can stay healthy, obviously it's going to make a huge impact on their team. Uh, They bring in Teron Armstead to hold down the left tackle position. Connor Williams at guard. So they're building the offensive line. More team speed. Cedric Wilson as a wide receiver. They re-sign Ogba. Uh, They just extended Xavier Howard. Gesicki gets the franchise tag. And then, oh, by the way, they pull off one of the bigger trades that uh, we have seen to date for Tyreek Hill. So... With Hill and Waddle, I mean, team speed, it just has really catapulted them into this conversation. Again, do they have the trigger man? Is this going to like unlock some of Tua's traits and abilities that maybe they weren't able to with the, the previous regime? But as far as the moves they've made to surround him and set him up for success, I got to believe the Dolphins have done as much in my opinion, maybe more than anybody. All right, Lou, I'm going to put you on the spot here. A lot of good teams in the AFC, a lot of really good quarterbacks. When you look at the Miami Dolphins on paper today, is it a playoff team? I'm going to say yes. Yes, because they still have the big bad wolf on top of them, Buffalo. They're not not nearly going to be as good as, as Buffalo, the way they're currently constructed. You know, they would have to have an elite quarterback to even be close. To be that seventh seed or sixth seed, I may have to rethink that. But I think right now I would say they've got a very good shot to make it. There are a lot of good teams in the AFC. There are. Okay, the Buffalo Bills, assuming they're going to be one of the best teams. And then we have to go with the three teams in the AFC West, okay? The Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers. They have to be in the conversation. So that's basically four. And then we assume that a couple of teams will come out of that AFC North division. They always do. I don't know who it's going to be yet because that's a tough one. I mean, will the Bengals take a step back? Will the Browns have Deshaun Watson? You know, the Steelers and the Ravens are always tough. One of those teams is definitely going to make the playoffs, but there's probably going to be a second one as well. So that's six teams already. And that means you've got one spot. One spot, basically. Did we count the the winner of the South? No, we didn't. And somebody's going to come out (laughs) of the South. So it's probably the Colts. To be honest with you, I have the Dolphins as out right now. I would have to look at schedules. Yeah, I mean, just off the top of my head, I would say they they have a shot only because, you know, they get to play the, the Jets twice. I would have to look at the but schedule. You also can't yeah. forget about the Patriots. The Patriots you also can't too. About I the think Patriots the, I, and Bill Belichick. They're going to be. I see. That's the thing about the Patriots. I'm kind of nervous about Mac Jones without uh, Josh McDaniels in there, and they won't name a quarterbacks coach. Now I'm sure they'll have one, but you know, is it going to be Matt Patricia? Is it going to be one of these new coaches that they've brought in? Is Belichick going to take more of a role on offense? You know, it's always this great mystery, and we don't have titles and everything else, whatever. But the bottom line is, Josh McDaniels, I think, was probably 
I don't want to say responsible for all his development, but certainly a very consistent voice that he could rely on during the course of the season. So I'm almost thinking Mac Jones, he either stays the same or may regress just because not having that consistency in his ear. I'm skeptical of Tua, always have yeah. been, because when a quarterback can't stay healthy for the entire season, that's a huge problem, and we'll see. I mean, obviously, they still have to rebuild that maybe, offensive maybe line your guy, through the maybe draft. Maybe your guy Teddy Bridgewater steps in and does his thing, gets him to the promised land. Based on what you've laid out, and I agree with you, more than likely, it would have to be for that seventh seed, right? So it's going to be a very razor-sharp possibility at best yeah the AFC is just so loaded all right another team that I think improved by miles and and bounds this offseason is another team that traded for a star quarterback and that's Russell Wilson you have to say that the Denver Broncos have to be one of the you know they have to be one of the top three four teams in the AFC period I hope Russell Wilson is going to be able to unlock Jerry Judy because I mean the Broncos spent a first round pick on him and He hasn't been able to take that step up. He was injured this year. They have a good offensive line. I think they have Javante Williams, who's a a guy that's going to break out and become a star running back. And Russell Wilson hasn't had a running back like this since the the Marshawn Lynch days back, you know, with the Seahawks. They have a very good defense. They signed Randy Gregory. They have Bradley Chubb. They have one of the best secondaries in the NFL as far as I'm concerned because they've got Patrick Sertain. They've got Justin Simmons. That's as good as it gets as far as you know, players go in the secondary. So I think Russell Wilson is going to take the Denver Broncos to the promised land, which is the playoffs, something that they haven't been able to achieve the last couple of years. Well, my own bias tells me that that division is going to be must-see TV every single game. You can't point to one game, one matchup, where it isn't like there's some ultimate intrigue as far as the quarterback matchups. Well, losing Tyree Kill out of the division hurts a little bit, but you know there's some big time wide receivers. Devontae Adams being thrown in there. Uh, you mentioned the the additions to the defensive line, but also DJ Jones. I think is kind of an under the radar move that uh, is going to help Denver a lot as well, playing on the inside. So uh, you've got you know an improved defensive line again on paper. But the rest of that defense, and yeah, if Russ can get that thing going and Hackett can kind of work his magic with with the receivers and the rest of the offensive skill players, that could be a pretty pretty decent team. Uh, I'm going to stay also in the AFC West, and it may not be from volume, but just specifically the quality of the additions is the Chargers. Trading for Khalil Mack, which, you know, I guess Staley's got some history with him from uh, being at the Bears. J.C. Jackson, arguably one of the top three corners in the league. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, a young player from the Rams, it was coming on until his injury. Uh, a couple defensive tackles. Again, I mean, these are just kind of other guys, rotational type guys like Christian Covington, Austin Johnson, but they re-signed Mike Williams. I think that was a big deal to get him under wraps for a reasonable amount of money. As we look at it now, it looked like a big deal at first. And now with Hill's contract and Devante's contract, I mean, wide receiver money's getting nuts. And then they bring in Gerald Everett as well, which again is a pretty good tight end to pair with the other guys that they have. Yeah, I think the Chargers did a great job, and Staley's going to have some other chess pieces to deal with. It's going to help uh, the guys that are already there, like Bosa, 
Derwin James. This is going to be kind of a, a team. They got to make the playoffs this year. No more, you know, potential for the Chargers. Now you got to make it happen. This is it. No more excuses. I also am going to say the Buffalo Bills. They're already good, but I like what they did on the defensive line. I mean, they added some pieces. They added some more firepower there. I think Von Miller can help those young guys on the defensive line, like Greg Rousseau. Uh, Tim Settle, we talked about him the, the last couple of shows when they signed him. They also got Jamison Crowder, who's a very experienced uh, slot receiver. I think that's also an upgrade. They re-signed Stephon Diggs. So you don't have that hanging over your head. They got Duke Johnson, but I think they still need to get a running back in the draft. Once they do that, I think this team is unstoppable. I mean, they did get better during the offseason. They knew what they had to address. The only thing is Tredavious White needs to come back from that injury. The Bills got better this offseason. Absolutely. I had them on my list as well. Even before these moves, they're probably the best roster, best team in the AFC right now. They also, you mentioned defensive line, Shaq Lawson, Daquan Jones. Again, rotational guys, but those young guys that they drafted the previous year, you know, another year under their belt in a system, same defense, you know, that's only going to help. Another one, a little under the radar, and we'll see if he can stay healthy, but getting O.J. Howard as a tight end. Now, obviously, Dawson Knox does a great job, especially like in the red zone, but O.J. Howard can be just another weapon that you could probably put in the slot and just to be a, like a big receiver, obviously. Emmanuel Sanders is gone as far as we know. He hasn't decided whether he's going to retire or not, but I don't think he's coming back to Buffalo. That's a team that's very well run. It was just kind of a a fluky thing that happened to them against the Chiefs, and I, I still say they were probably the best team last year and just maybe that boogeyman in their head or whatever it is, they got to get over that barrier, beating Kansas City in a big game. I think then that just unlocks everything, and, and the Bills got to be my one of my Super Bowl favorites right now. It's interesting that every team that we listed in this category AFC, happens to be from the AFC. Absolutely, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, a lot of the talent coming from the NFC, but... Just in the previous drafts, all these teams in the AFC hitting on quarterbacks, the younger quarterbacks, and it coincided with some of the veterans in the NFC kind of games waning and then retiring, of course. And it just right now, this is like the the worst imbalance the conferences have been that I can remember in quite some time where you just look we're just trying to figure out the, the playoffs, and you got to, you got a lot of good teams that are not going to make the playoffs in the AFC, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, we got to talk about those wide receivers that you mentioned at the top of the show. We've already had a couple of them that moved, you know, Devontae Adams to the Raiders, Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. But now there are rumors that, you know, former Ole Miss teammates, A.J. Brown, who plays for the Titans, D.K. Metcalf, who plays for the Seahawks. And also there are some rumors that Keenan Allen might be on the move ever since Mike Williams got that big deal. And, you know, Keenan Allen is making like $19, $20 million out there as well. So those wide receivers might be on the move come draft night. And um, I'm sure at least one of those guys gets moved. Well, if I'd have told you after the Super Bowl that two of the top five wide receivers in the NFL were going to be on the move, this offseason, and not, not as free agents, as trades. What would you have said? What would anybody have said? Like, why? Why would you do that? 
Well, it seems like the market has really pushed this. Whether it was uh, the DeAndre Hopkins extension when they when he got traded to Arizona, which arguably it looks like a bigger deal than it really is, but the way the agents position it, well, no, we have you've got to pay up. So Devontae Adams is sitting there, huge payday. Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs made him a you know pretty reasonable offer, and I'm sure the Packers did the same for Adams, but he wanted top of the market and is like, okay, you got to go, man. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and trade you. And uh, they made Devontae Adams the same type of deal. I guess he just you know wanted to go west. The allure of playing with Aaron Rodgers wasn't enough. I guess the bigger question is, a couple actually. First one, can you have a 40 to $50 million quarterback and a 28 to $32 million receiver and still be a contender? What do you think? I mean, is it possible? The salary cap has continued to grow, and it will, but that gobbles up a lot of money. Can you do it, Alex? I think you can do it, Lou. I mean, if you're asking me whether one of these wide receivers gets moved and gets traded to the Green Bay Packers, I think that they have to do this because Aaron Rodgers must have known that Devontae Adams was going to get moved he wouldn't have signed that deal. I mean, he had to get interested. He probably wanted to find out who they were going to sign. And they broke the news that, hey, Devontae Adams is most likely going to get moved. But, Aaron, we're going to get you one of those top wide receivers. And that's not one of the wide receivers in the draft. I don't think that's a lure. You know, you can't just say, Aaron, we're going to draft a rookie wide receiver and he's going to be great. Right off the bat, he's going to get you like 80, 90 catches for over 1,000 yards. It doesn't happen too often. I mean, there is a learning curve for these wide receivers. Always has been. So I'm going to say that the Packers are going to make this work, that they're going to trade for one of these guys, that they're willing to give up a first-round pick and get a bona fide star, a number one wide receiver, number one target for Aaron Rodgers. Yes, it will be tough to fill out your roster, but I think they'll manage, and uh, they're going to get one of those Those guys. guys are not Tyree Kill by any stretch, but wouldn't you think that Seattle or Tennessee, if they really decided we're going to move off of these young guys, second-round guys, and I think that's the whole idea here is that these guys are going into their fourth year. They don't have the fifth-year option because they're second-round picks. What are they going to want in return? I mean, the Chiefs, like I say, they got five picks. Now, again, Neither of them have risen to that level yet. But at their age, what would they command? Would the Packers kind of really go in that direction? I mean, they have a hard time taking wide receivers in the first round. Are they going to trade a bunch of picks to get one of those guys? That's, I guess that's the real question. And for those teams... We don't want to pay the 28 or whatever average 28 or 29 million or 26 million, whatever it is, per year. So we're going to let these guys that we've developed go. Tennessee, I think, still believes they're, they're in the hunt. They're, they're going to win that division. It just, I would find it really hard to believe that they move off of A.J. Brown. Seattle, they have to decide or maybe be realistic with themselves to say, okay, we traded away our franchise quarterback. We don't have one right now. Do we really want to keep paying a wide receiver if we don't have a great quarterback to go with them? So maybe they make the move, but they have to kind of realize, but again, Schneider's going to want top 
dollar here as far as you know a return so that's interesting keenan allen a little bit older i could see that the second question i had as far as wide receivers go is how the market is moving and i guess it also you have to answer the first question is okay are teams going to start building their teams in a certain way you saw how running backs have kind of okay we're not going to pay you a ton of money if we do pay you a ton of money it tends to always spiral the wrong direction is the wide receiver market going to start going that way once teams sour on having to pay so much money hey we can get a younger guy maybe not nearly as great but a lot of production from the draft a la the running backs the way it's gone now i don't think it's going to happen overnight but i think Teams have to keep building their teams that way. That's a, like I said, a big chunk. Quarterback, wide receiver, maybe they, hey, wide receiver by committee, younger guys, and we don't have to pay them as much. What do you think? Yeah, I think the NFL is moving in that direction because more and more teams are putting, you know, three, four wide receivers on the football field at the same time. So it's almost like spreading the ball around. The whole thing about being the number one wide receiver not as many teams have that number one guy right now, you know, like only a few teams do. And then you kind of have like a couple of players on one team that kind of spread the wealth a little bit. So I do think that teams are moving in that direction. I do think that they will be willing to part ways with some of these players because they know they can't afford them. I mean, you mentioned the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, how are they going to pay like DK Metcalf? What are they going to do here? I mean, how are they going to sell to him that, hey, we're going through rebuilding here. Drew Locke is going to be your quarterback. Maybe we draft a future quarterback somewhere, maybe like Matt Corral or Sam Howell somewhere in like in the second round. But it's a rookie quarterback. How can you sell him on that? So I think DK Metcalf probably understands that, hey, the Seahawks are rebuilding, and I'm most likely on the move. Maybe the Titans, knowing that A.J. Brown misses a lot of games. I mean, he has had injuries in the past. Maybe they get a first-round pick this year and draft a guy like Drake London out of USC in the first round. That's also a possibility. I think Keenan Allen is as good as gone, not because he's a bad player, but just because he makes a lot of money, plus... Again, he is already like over 30, and I think the Chargers might be willing to go younger there. So I'm going to say two out of these three guys get moved. I don't think they get moved before the draft, but I think it's going to be interesting to see when they move on draft night, whether it's on day one or or day two. I think teams are going to be willing to part ways with them, and I do agree with you. The more wide receivers you put out on the football field, the more teams put those spread looks out there that you just don't have that worthy number one guy that you feel that, hey, if you have a good quarterback, then he's going to be able to find the open man and we're going to be able to, you know, throw it all over the yard. I guess we'll test that theory with the the Kansas City Chiefs. For sure, because again, they don't have the true number one. Uh, We'll see what they do in the draft. I think the Chargers will probably ride with Allen at least one more year just to see how this goes because, you know, Herbert's not under the big contract yet. But, you know, the following season, which I'm I'm assuming they're going to try to extend Herbert a lot sooner than later, 
<laughs> given the Deshaun Watson contract and what's going to happen with Lamar, uh, Joe Burrow, a lot of interesting moves to come, whether it be the wide receivers, the quarterback, but again, money is going to drive a lot of this. Yeah, stay tuned. That is going to do it for this episode. Gang, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe when you get the opportunity. We got more and more prospect interviews coming. Look for multiple episodes each week. For Alex, I'm Lou. Till next time. Ooh.